Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Once again, to East meets West here on the Suplex Retreat Extra Feed. I'm one of your hosts, Scott McLeod. Again, this is a roundup of everything going on in the world of New Japan. And I don't think in this horrible unit we've been going through that any wrestling company has truly captured how we all feel about the year 2020, quite like how New Japan has in the last month. Because truly, when it comes to 2020, everything is just evil. And we'll get into and I'm joined by, as always, my fellow lover of all things New Japan, Grammy Robbie. Hi there, Scott, and it's good to be back yet again. Hopefully, continuing this regular pattern that we're getting now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hopeful because uh, looking ahead, like the summer struggle tour that has just kicked off is going through all the way till uh, mid August, and then we've got a big show as part of it on the 29th of August, obviously in place of what would have been the big. Uh, MSG show had the world not fallen apart so still stuff to go at least till the end of August and hopefully by then we'll have more announcements so uh, we're hopeful because we're starting to get back in the swing of things it feels like Yeah definitely it's starting to get a bit more regular and Japan's got fans again which is such a relief to see mm-hmm. Yeah uh, The last few shows came fairly the English commentary expressed that they've been encouraged like starting to feed and clap their hands when fans come but uh, they've been told not to basically verbally shout or boo during certain segments, obviously for health reasons, which is wise for the most part. But there are moments where you know the fans would be booing and just nothing's happening. Like some of the silent moments where you know the fans would react and otherwise is like, it just sounds like they couldn't care, but you know they want to cheer, but they can't. But even with the crowd just spread out as they are, it's always nice to see them there because the arena still looks so when they when you see them there. Yeah, it's a complete game changer after we went through the first bunch of shows without any fans and then finally seeing all the lovely faces appear again mm-hmm. brings a tear to your eye. <laughs> yeah, because they announced uh, the fans would come back for the New Japan Cup final and Dominion, but there wasn't an official word, I don't think, at first as to how fans would be going like going forward, how many fans would be in the arena. Uh, we had them at New Japan Road in Cork and Hall, which I was surprised at because Cork and Hall is a much smaller thing, so I was worried about how they were going to ha- manage social distancing amongst fans in the a smaller venue as opposed to the larger Osaka Joe Hall. And then at the end of the month, we had Sengoku Lord, which had fans, again, reasonably spread out. So hopefully this is a regular thing going forward. Uh, definitely. it's It makes a difference. It definitely does. Because we started New Japan's return, we'll briefly talk about it because it feels like forever ago since it happened. The uh, Together Project on the 15th of June was the first official show in over over 100 days since we'd last had a New Japan show. And 
there wasn't really much to talk about. It was a project. I mean, it started off with a, a better than match than I expected to be in a, another LA Dojo v New Japan Dojo match with a Yota Suji defeating uh, Gabriel to the solid, especially like when you see the online how limited an offense they're allowed to use. And the rest of the show was mainly uh, really tie matches setting up potential showdowns to come in the uh, the New Japan Cup. I think basically Grant, this was basically a decent car of mostly tag matches, basically saying New Japan's are back and we're kinda of easing you into what's to come. That's it. It was definitely it was a it was a palate cleanser to get us ready for after what was over a hundred days without it was getting us right back into the mix of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely like, allowing like some of the wrestlers to finally like work out their ring rust they potentially may have gotten during their time away. Uh, it was good to see Naito get into wrestle because he only got to wrestle a handful of times in the lead up to the New Japan Cup final, mostly in, in tag matches. And when we talked about the New Japan Cup, we talked a lot about it in regards to how Evil and Okada got to the finals in our little uh, preview show. But, uh, we're going to talk about one more. We're going to talk about a couple more people in regards to the New Japan Cup and some things maybe we want to talk about that weren't relevant the last time we recorded. And somebody whose journey we didn't get to fully dive into, someone I know you're a fan of and I'm certainly a fan of, you even mentioned him on our most recent show in the main feed in our, our Wrestling Heroes show, that is the journey of one Hiromu Takahashi. Yeah, his journey and uh, the fact that uh, the, the travel restrictions meaning that we had an open weight New Japan Cup and who better to represent the juniors than their champion and he done it in outstanding fashion. Oh yeah, I'm just saying. Like he got further than any junior. He got to the semis, and again, being the junior heavyweight champion, uh, it's to be expected. And it's almost a way of making up for I'm um, not getting that match at the anniversary show. And you talk about very different opponents, the uh, the different matches that Roma had to go through to get to where he was in the the, the tournament. Going from Honma, who they talked about, both men uh, suffered neck injuries. They both underestimated Honma being a bit older and Roma being a junior. But they, they pulled out a really good match in the first round. And then uh, Romo basically had to confront his past in uh, a very unconventional match with uh, Toriano in round two. Possibly one of my favourite matches of the year because it was just pure comedy gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when we didn't get to like talk about that match uh, in the New Japan Cup uh, preview that we did, I was quite disappointed because I wanted, as soon as it happened, to like, I can't wait to hear what Grant thinks of this. I wanted to delve into this because <laughs> this is a, what I, a category of match I like to refer to as the Jim Cornette heart attack match. And that if somebody grasses up and sends it to Jim Cornette, like there are people out there who do that, uh, Jim Cornette would almost have a heart attack when he's a big 30 minute run on that, on his podcast, as he often does when he sees stuff that's not traditional, quote unquote. Oh yeah, it was it was totally the anti cornet match in every way. Having a finish which involves tying someone up and then putting them in an elevator. <laughs> that was one of the funniest finishes I've ever seen in my life. I know, like the way that carried on from like I think the day before when they had the tag match where Hiromo was just too scared to get anywhere near Yano and they had the, the chase around Corgan Hall. Toriano uh, tied up the feet of uh, Hiromo and Hiromo Romo's trying to run back to the ring or at least hop with two legs tied as the referee's like getting towards the 20 count. Romo can't get back to the ring and then they brought it back here where 
Hiromo had to do like a three-legged race with, I think it was Yotsuji. They had to do a three-legged race because their, their legs have been tied together so Hiromo could win the match by count-out. That was outstanding. The usual Yano shenanigans tape gets involved. It's just, I, I love watching it. It just makes me laugh. And the fear that Hiromu had, especially that he did get a chunk of the hair. He managed to get a bit of the hair. Poor guy. <laughs> and though he came out with a hard hat and everything. I mean, he was, he was prepared for anything when it came up against Yano. And what I love is the tension they actually managed to create because the outside segment, like when leading up to the elevator, lasted for quite a while. So we're almost doing the bit with the Suji trying to get back to the ring. You're getting a bit, it's almost like 10, like, is he going to make it back? Because even though uh, New Japan do like a 20 count, they do fire through. So they get up to like 15, 16 quicker than you'd expect. And then there's a danger, like, is he going to get back to the ring in time? Oh, yeah, like it was a proper, like, is he going to make it? Is he, don't tell we're going to get a double count. No, 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 no. No. Oh, thank God. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and like, they both like come to like time it and like they both. Both he and Suji had to kind of dive into the ring at the same time in order for him to officially fully make it back in and avoid a double count out. And again, like the way you can differentiate different matches, like a, a from a serious match to a match that again he says pure comedy. That's the kind of variety you like to see in a tournament like this. Oh yeah, I mean going from like a serious match with Honma, comedy gold with Yano, and then going on to Ishii, what a match! Ah. Oh. 100%. And what's quite noble, I think uh, he beat Ishii with Time Bomb uh, version 2. And I believe it's only the second time he's ever actually hit that. I think the first time being against uh, Will Ospreay. So it shows how, obviously, he's not had many chances to hit it as, obviously, he had like over 100 days where he couldn't wrestle thanks to the pandemic. But it's quite interesting. He's only ever had it twice since he's came back. And both times, it's, a, it's actually one. So Again, as we talked about before, it's his last resort kind of move, but it's always seemingly at the moment it's 100% effective. Yeah, I love when you get a good proper finisher like that. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful move. It looks horrific to hit and mm-hmm. being well protected. Yeah, he's only broke out twice at that point, and it, it means it shows how unpredictable it is that he's got something like that that he can just pull out of nowhere. Mm hmm. Because we had other juniors, we had Rapongi 3K, we had Bushi and uh, Kanamaru. They were in this tournament as well, uh, Taiji Ishimori as well. And also the commentary was keep putting over that more often than not, uh, a junior coming up against a heavyweight, the heavyweight usually comes out on top. So Hiromu's throwing everything he's got at Ishii, and again, the same with Okada. And eventually had to pull out his last-ditch effort move in order to put Ishii away so Ishii doesn't look at that really that weak losing to a junior because well one it's the junior heavyweight champion and he had to pull out that one move that he doesn't use as often and I remember when he kept trying to hit that move against Okada I was so scared because it looked like an easy way for Okada to reverse it into the jumping tombstone and pretty much usually as soon as Okada hit the jumping tombstone it's pretty much game over for his opponent Yeah I mean it really went all out against Okada and Okada has got a good well, his last sort of like the last time Okada really wrestled a junior properly was Osprey, and mm-hmm. he, he shows that he's got great chemistry against faster, smaller guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these, this whole uh, junior versus heavyweight thing in New Japan is so rare, and yet you you kind of wish it wasn't as rare as it was because it seems to produce some of the best like matches, even across the tournament. Because like technically, uh, 
like Shingo's graduated to the heavyweight division, but he's only, he's not the biggest heavyweight because he was in the junior division not too long ago. So, like when he was coming up against like people like Sho and both their matches, both the one at Dominion that we'll get to later and the one in the Japan Cup, they're both like stellar matches. So like it's out it seems to be a formula for success. Oh yeah, like Sh- Shingo with the open weight belt is one of the best ways to put on those mixed weight matches. And when you've got someone like Shingo who is, by all definition, a heavyweight, but he's got the speed of a junior, it makes a difference. Definitely, and I was I was really heartbroken for Hiromu when he when he lost in the semis, but like he went almost the full thirty minute time limit, and it was against Okada, the ace of New Japan. So really, no shame in, in Hiromu going out the way he did. Yeah, there's no no shame in them going out that way. I would have loved it because um, it would have been an ultimate bracket buster. Although Evil, you could say, was a bracket buster as well. <laughs> oh, definitely, because like, like we said before, you expected Okada to possibly get to the final, but you weren't. You would never expect Evil to be the guy like standing across from him. But before we get to that matchup and who came out on top, I think we've already mentioned who who came out on top. I think if you're listening to this, you probably already know yourself. But looking at other people in New Japan, is there anybody else do you think stands out as a potential like MVP or the performance? Or on the other side, is there anybody who maybe didn't have the strong performance that you maybe would have liked them to? I, I felt I felt they dropped the ball a little bit with Sonada. Mm-hmm. I think I think I would have. I think though at the same time, I can see why they didn't let Sonada go to the final because you would have had just the same match as last year. So you've got to keep it fresh, and as we'll get onto later. Makes sense story wise. Yeah, I think I for a second I thought it looked like that where that's where they were going, and then obviously the most surprised I was with Eagles Journey was when he beat Sonada, because as we said when this, the stats literally had the match being fifty fifty, and Evil won, and it always seemed like Sonada was be the one to win because there was a story with him. No, again if you weren't going to have plan on having Sonada win. That there's no point in him going on to face Okada and possibly lose to him again. Uh, and I do agree, maybe like his match with Taguchi. Taguchi is another one I was disappointed with because I expected Taguchi to go out in the first round when it was, in, it was him v Snada, but I just hoped their match would be a bit better. I was hoping for a more serious Taguchi than we got, where most of the, the offense was basically sitting around Taguchi selling his arse being sore because Sonada kept carrying that hip attack, which is a move I'm not too fond of. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Taguchi, but yeah, I, I was expecting big match Taguchi because he done it last year at the New Japan Cup and he had a great little run. Mm-hmm. So I was a little bit disappointed to see him kind of just go out with a whimper this time. Yeah, because he's kind of been a background player, mostly appearing in like Mountain Man Six Fan or Eight Man Tags uh, since he went out the tournament. And it's weird because like the first half of the year, it seemed like there were going to be big things in store for him. There probably there were before things had to change because. He got the win over Liger in one of Liger's final matches. He had two big title matches back in February. So it seemed like everything was it was looking to be a big year for Taguchi, but for whatever reason, things seemed to have uh, taken a turn. As regards to Sanada, yeah, he had that match with Show in the second round, which was better. Uh, mixed feelings about his match with, with Taichi. That's probably more my feelings about Taichi than anything else. And then, yeah, his best match of the term was probably his match with Evil and the uh, the outcome was fairly shocking. I uh, usually I would have said, "Oh, I would have expected Shingo to go further or Ibushi to go further," but 
over them um, had a storyline reasons for them going the way they did because they had to set up later like title matches that were that would come at Dominion. Yes, I mean it was that was Shingo. I would have loved to have get more, but at the same time, when I look at the long term and what match we got out of it in the back of it, I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah, because they really needed to big up a uh, show as a, a threat for Shingo when it came to him challenging for the Never title. And I think they, they very much succeeded in doing that. So, weirdly, when you look at it, when you look at Sho and uh, Hiromu, more often than not, the juniors got more out of being in the tournament, even if they don't didn't go as far as the heavyweights. Yeah, definitely agree on that one. Mm-hmm. And uh, something we were, when we did our preview, we were kind of, I, I, would, I wouldn't say we were shitting on it, but we weren't as uh, maybe hyped as uh, New Japan would have liked this to be. Is the debut of Master Wato. Uh, coming at the New Japan Cup final. And honestly, even within a few minutes, I was kind of eating my words because in ring-wise, I don't think I'd ever seen him in the ring when he was a young lion. But Watto impressed me no end in the ring. He looked the smoothness of how he was in the ring, the dives and even some of the kicks that he threw. Out. I I was more than impressed with his match with Doki. Yeah, that was I was as I said as well. I wasn't completely sold on the the look, the gimmick, and everything to begin with. But he he's he's in in ring match with Doki. It was just under eight minutes, but he really made an impact with that. He really had a lot of fun with it, and that finisher of his is beautiful. Oh yeah, like I I saw it instantly gave me flashbacks to AJ Styles when he used to do the spiral to it back in the uh, the old days of uh, of NWA TNA. It was it was just great, and uh, they talked about him potentially joining the junior division. So hopefully, if we get like if we're managed to get the best of the super juniors at some point later this year, I'd love to see like the kind of people that he would get to mix up with, like a Hiromu or Taiji Ishimori, or when he gets to come back, Master Watto versus Osprey. Just the potential matchups for him in the junior division. He's only going to get better because like we weren't really that big on Doki because it was it seemed obvious that he was going to win, but getting to see him with more established members of the junior division is he's going to look even better yeah and that's I'm looking forward to seeing his the fact that he's kind of got issues with Suzuki-gun right now so it means we'll get him and Kanemaru probably him and El Desperado some big matches that could come out of that yeah uh, I think at some point during the summer struggle tour we're going to get a, maybe a special singles match between him and Kanemaru because uh, Kanemaru after the match with Doki did come out and attack him and he did actually get a pin over Masawato at New Japan Road in a big eight-man tag match, so there's still issues there. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we got like somebody teaming with Watto uh, to take on Kamara and Desperado as they are an established team, their former junior tag champs. It just depends who that would be. Uh, they would get to team with them. I do like this relationship with him and Tenzan and uh, the whole uh, joking about how Kawato and uh, Wattle seems very similar. Maybe that's why uh, Tenzan is working. Maybe Kowal put in a good word for Master Wattle. Kind of the, the Sami Zayn, El Generico vibes I'm getting from this, the way the commentators talk about him. Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. I love that. It is a clever little nod to like, reference his old young lion past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like, this is why, like, I, even when it was like delayed a few days for like, the New Japan Cup and Dominion, I always like to listen to the English commentary because... You get weed tidbits like that from people like Karen Kelly, and uh, it was delayed during the New Japan Cup final and Dominion because, well, one, they had the mission set out, and also you had Rocky Romero joining 
for those two days, which was nice to see. But for the most part, care to Kevin Kelly, he's been going on his own for the majority of shows over the last month. And other than those two days, the turnaround's been very well. Yeah, I've noticed that with English commentary. I've, I've been following it with Japanese, but the English stuff is generally they're almost pretty much 24 hours and you're able to get it, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was a bit frustrating because obviously New Japan Cup Final and Domain, they're the two days you want to get them as quick as possible, avoid all spoilers, avoid social media and that, and yet you're waiting that extra while to get them and more chances of somebody accidentally spoiling it for you. Yeah, that's a... It's it's like with Dominion's like one of those big events, like one of the big four, really. Where I'm like, I cannot have this spoiled. It is too big because it's always the one which has the biggest of surprises. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. And we go in a looking at the Japan Cup. Really, there was mostly just some tag matches on the Japan Cup final, broken up with the occasional. Like you got the singles match with Masawada weirdly in the middle of the card quite early on, and then obviously it's all building up to the final between Okada and uh, Evil. And I was going to say, pretty strong match, I think. Uh, it seemed to me at first like Evil was uh, quite dominant in the match, but uh, upon looking at some of the data, again, from the guys at Pro Wrestling Musings, uh, so they're always a great help for a match like this. Okada actually had 59% of the offense to Evil's 41%. I think it may just seem like Evil just made his offense count more which is why I thought to me it looked like he was more dominant Yeah I think Evil's offence was a lot more like we discussed how Evil beat Okada before it was using dirty tactics the darkness falls on the chairs and stuff like that it's, when he did get his offence he hit harder, he made it count mm-hmm. Yeah because they talked about how it was the darkness falls that he used to initially beat Okada the first time which then earned him a, an IWGP title shot and then he hit it again here, but it wasn't enough. And uh, the match actually went 31 minutes 49. Uh, I don't believe there was really any time limit for it, so they could have gone even longer. And you know Okada is definitely capable of it. But uh, I think it gave it a decent length of time. And even said that this match and obviously the match at Dominion and possibly the match at Single Core as well, but these are some of the longest matches in the Evil's career because Evil is not known for wrestling particularly long matches as a singles competitor because Partly because he's been used as a Titan competitor along with Sanada for the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, this is like Evil's kind of first big major singles push. Um, and it's certainly getting people talking, especially with the shenanigans that happened during the cup final. Um, it was not what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, because you had uh, Gale coming down and then you had uh, Yujiro Takahashi coming out and uh, attacking Bukada behind the ref's back, but it wasn't enough to keep him down. And uh, the ref, they were talking about how was this uh, Kevin Kelly basically theorized that basically it wasn't an attempt to help Evil, it's just a, a case of they want to screw Okada. And then Evil gets a low blow, everything is evil, and Evil pins Okada, and everyone's like, oh, well, that's shocking, but hey, LIG v LIG final, like, not the person we thought would face Naito, but still an LIG, LIG final and Naito comes out and this moment is just was just done so perfect where he uh, he seems all okay with an end of LIG, LIG final, he throws the fist up for Evil Evil goes to give it to give him the fist and then turns into the two sweet 
and then Dexon with everything is evil and out comes Bullet Club to reveal their new member, Evil. So it looks like we're not getting an LIJ, LIJ final at all. Uh, Grant, how can you best sum up your feelings when Evil turned? I shouted. I used a lot of swearing at that. I was not fucking expecting that. I was like, what the... Who the fuck made this decision? What the hell is Gable up to? This is like the ultimate bracket buster of them all. You've just had Evil win. And he's joining Bullet Club. What the hell is going on? I know. And like the way they did it, they just uh, into the two three and then just the uh, look on Nigel says he doesn't even have time to process it before he's already just been decked like on the floor. And then the one downside I would have about this moment is because members like Kenta and Jay White and even uh, the girls of Destiny can't get in the country at the moment. When Bullet Club comes out, uh, it does look like some of the old I was going to say lower-ranked members of the Bullet Club, with the exception of maybe Taiji Shimori, he's probably the best one out of the, the ones they've got other than Evil. And everybody's been theorising, is Evil now the leader? I think he just looks like leader compared to who they currently have at their disposal at the moment. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've kind of positioned them in that way, like, sort of, like, to make it look like, oh, is is he in charge now? Is he just became, like, part of the boys? And it's, it is probably based on the fact that they're missing the main contingent that makes up Bullet Club. So he looks the most powerful at the moment because he is the one with it that's that won it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would, I would technically argue that Gato is the leader because he's always usually the corner man and like he's the one obviously getting involved and he's, he's occasionally the mouthpiece for certain guys. So I would kind of argue in that sense that Gato's almost the leader. But I think I've heard people theorise about uh, maybe a power struggle within Bullet Club when eventually when uh, Jay White and Kenta are able to come back, which... Uh, I would, uh, I would be all for because it, it would be interesting to see where certain loyalties like lie amongst the group, uh, especially with the, uh, the latest member that they added at uh, Dominion. But we'll talk about him in a little bit. But yeah, this uh, almost heartbreaking moment for some LIJ fans when Evil turned. Okay, and then if it wasn't, couldn't get any more shocking, we'll talk about the result of uh, Dominion in a wee bit. But we'll go on to uh, Dominion itself and. Three, it was okay if you like before you get to the three main matches, but I think what everybody was looking ahead to was the three big title matches. Yeah, normal, normal Dominion style card um, padded out with the tags just to kind of get the crowd warmed up. And then last few big, big matches, the big money matches, open weight title match, tag title match, and the, the double title match to, to headline it. It's it's like you can literally split the show in two. Those last three matches pretty much make up half the length of the pay per view. Pretty much, yeah. He is. He had uh, I think it was around twenty minutes. and never open weight title match when uh, the title match went around twenty eight minutes, and it was thirty seven minutes for the main event. So yeah, it's over an hour, I think, over nearly an hour and a half. All just those three matches. So yeah, it's good that they all got their time and the never open weight belt. Last month I've noticed because obviously the the Intercontinental Belt is also being defended alongside the World Belt and the uh, the US Belt, uh, the US Champion can't get in the country at the moment. The Never Belt's kind of position wise moved upwards into more kind of the secondary singles belt as kind it's been like third from the top at Dominion and it was like the semi main event at Sengoku Lord. So that along with the pure like strength of Shingo as champion is really elevated. The uh, the never built to a position that hasn't been in in quite some time. 
Yeah, Shingo is making the open weight belt feel relevant again because he's he's already heading towards some some paths towards records with he's doing great in his defences. Um, the the belt hasn't hot potatoed for the first time in what feels like forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, and Shingo is a fighting champion. He definitely is because he won it from a uh, from Goto at the end of January, and he he held on to it since he defended it against Ishii. And now he's got this match with Show, and again, the open weight division allows you to have very different opponents because you have the powerhouse, and you see him basically going at it strike for strike. And he had Show one after the junior tie jump, so we allowed him for a very different opponent. And I think, given the match that they had at the New Japan Cup and the match that they had back uh, at last year's Super Junior, uh, like expectations were definitely high going into it. Oh, yeah. I mean, best of Super Juniors, their opening match was one of the best matches of the entire tournament. It was unreal. It went almost 30 minutes and they went hell for leather at each other. And each time since, Shows had this intense burning rivalry. He needs to s- settle with Shingo and it makes for a great story. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're watching it on the English commentary, it was quite interesting to hear like Rocky Romero, the kind of coach of Rapungi 3K on commentary. Like he wasn't totally biased in favour of uh, of show, but he was like supporting them and basically talking about why it means so much for show to win. Because I did feel like in the Okada match that Rocky Romero special was kind of discounting evil because uh, they said that this match with Evil and Naito was the first like Dominion in Osaka that Okada hadn't main evented. And basically the way Rocky was talking about evil basically was like, oh, not a chance because Okada's reinvented every Dominion Osaka like Okada's gonna win which in retrospect you could say oh they were just trying to set up to make it more shocking but it kind of just looked like Rocky was kind of like I Evil's not a main eventer I mean that's it like, Rocky would be good in the commentary for, for show and this was particularly a good platform for show because now that we know Yo is out injured for the foreseeable this is show's time to shine in the in the junior division. Mm. Uh, I'm, wor- I'm wondering if they're going to give us like, a timeline to how long you'll be out because you, you want, you're wondering what they're going to do with those tag belts because if, if show didn't come out with his half of the tag belts, you'd almost forget that he that he and Neil were the junior tag champ at the moment. You wonder if he's out for so long, are they going to have to like strip them of the belts or is he going to have to get somebody else? from the junior division to kind of carry Yo's, kind of step in Yo's place for a while until he comes back. Yeah, I mean, this is the difference with like Japan compared to like the likes of Impact and WWE that when someone gets injured in New Japan, they generally keep it quite on the the down low. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with belts, it's something like, if I remember correctly, it's something like six months. So as long as he's going to be back within six months and defend the belts as soon as he gets back, it would be all right, but otherwise they may have to vacate it, which I think would be the wisest decision. Mm, probably. So as far as, as this match, what were your overall impressions of the match from Dominion? I absolutely loved it. They really it's show is so much of a powerhouse. He's out of him and you when you see him in the singles, show leaves an impression. But his biggest downfall was he just kept on getting too greedy trying to hit the shock arrow and it cost him big time. Mm, they do they do mention it because like, he, he did have a lot of difficulty getting Shingo up for it rather than just putting him away when it seemed like he had him. 
And well, like with some of singles matches, it really like it really bigs up his opponent as well when he does this. Is going through a lot of his moves and having to and having his opponent kick out, and eventually he, he eventually is able to like last the dragon. Everything like he's gone through everything else, and literally the word "lasted" in its name, it's the last ditch effort he has. And so he's like running through the moves like the pumping bomber and everything like that. I enjoy when he he does that. And yeah, even though they're both kind of they've got the muscle, like it shows a bigger junior than you expect. It did seem like uh, he was matching up with with Shingo in terms of strength. Yeah, I mean that's it. He can he can rival Shingo in the strength, and it's Shingo's got some brilliant. Moves like pulling out the Made in Japan, which is always his kind of usual. That's kind of like his soft finisher, the one mm-hmm. people can kick out of. I think one of his most simple but underappreciated moves is that straight right that he launches. It looks vicious. Mm-hmm. It just seems to knock people senseless, and it is a good setup for Last of the Dragon along with the Pumping Bomber. Mm-hmm. It, it did seem like Shingo, despite losing in the the cup in the first round. He was still taking show too lightly. Feel like you'd be taunting them during the whenever they were on the opposite side of time matches, like with the two late belts, like what one need what one do you want to go for? Before eventually show just grabbed the never belt and went, I want you for this belt. And like even during the match you like lightly kick him in the back, like, Oh come on, come on and then we actually hit him properly. Show got right back up and got right in his face and like, you should not underestimate me. Yeah, and I think it's like seeing that they've had that intense rivalry going on and for Shingo it's as well Shingo is older he's got more experience so he's kind of like he is the, the veteran and it's like not not that Sho Sho isn't a veteran himself nowadays but he's got a lot longer and it's kind of like come on then young one you think <laughs> you can do this bring it and the veteran did eventually as we said pull it out uh, he retains the title which is probably the right decision uh, in terms of what he's done for the belt, but uh, he doesn't really get much chance to uh, to rest because uh, he stands at the top of the ramp. Out comes El Desperado, who attacks him, and pretty much announces his intention to challenge for the belt by literally stealing it. I love that. That's a little page out of the old Yano uh, notebook. That steal the belt. That way, they've got to challenge. You've got to have a challenge for it. <laughs> Yeah, and then yeah, the uh, the tag match. I think it was Desperado, and I can't remember who Desperado was teaming with. It was against uh, him and Doki against Sanada and uh, Sanada and Shingo at New Japan Road. And Shingo's first concern was, "Where's my belt?" And like he tried at one point, he ripped the mask off of El Desperado in kind of retaliation. Uh, even though Sanada, I like that the finish they didn't involve either man in the finish. They had Sanada tap out uh, Doki with. Skull end, and it looks like Shingo's going to get his belt back, but another sneak attack, and Desperado steals the belt. And I like it when he came out for the match at Sengoku Lord Desperado. Uh, Red Shoes kind of looked at him like almost disapprovingly, like, Why are you carrying that belt? That's not yours. Yeah, the way he came out with it was pretty awesome. I, I like the fact, even in the run up to it, El Desperado was tweeting pictures of the belt <laughs> on Twitter. I was like, Wow, you are really trying to rile him up. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, this brother's actually looking pretty good. He's been getting the wins for his team in like big tag matches with that uh, pinchy local kind of the underhook into the face buster, and he's been using the kind of straight right hand, which was responsible for him like having his jaw broken. So now he's using the move that injured him 
as like one of his key moves. And I think we'll just jump into a match from a uh, single cool or I mean, single. Like even though much like show El Desperado is also a junior, it was still it was still wasn't the same as the show match or the Ishii match again. Three very different matches over Shingo's three defenses. Yeah, and I mean the Shingo and El Desperado. The one thing I've always got to draw attention to when El Desperado comes out for these big matches is how cool his masks are for it. The, the fact that he's got the mask with the open jaw, where he uses makeup for his jaw rather than a mask. And, it, and this new black one, it just looks so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, I'm used to seeing him with the black with the, the white mask, but this black one and a lot of gold around it, uh, I think it's actually a much better look for him. And this match, you had him on offense for quite a while. Like he was going after the leg of Shingo and I was uh, wondering why why is he doing this and I remember he uses like the stretch muffler submission. So even though muscle wise Shingo's got him beat in that regard, he's breaking him down and he's getting him in his submission and he's leaving him vulnerable because he's seen at points where Shingo's going for like the sliding lariat, how like he wasn't moving as quickly, he was almost limping along the ring in order to hit it, so you knew that there was a there was a target right painted on it and like Desperado was going for it. Yeah, it was an absolute. That's that's been the great thing with Shingo's defenses. He's had such a mixture of guys. He's had a powerhouse junior. He's had a really conniving, clever junior. He's had a solid heavyweight de- like to go up against. Shingo's bringing out the best in his opponents. He's really elevating the belt himself and everyone that he's been against. Mm-hmm. And like. Something I've I've not really enjoyed over the last month or so is in New Japan, especially during, mainly as Evil's been uh, transitioning to this new heel version of himself, is uh, the amount of like referee bumps or like um, distracting the referee and the referee is not doing anything about it. It's just happening so often. And it looked like we we're going to get that again where the referee's almost turned around and Desperado was going to go for the low blow, but Shingo was smart enough to grab his arm and like, nope. And he hit the Pompey Bomber and basically almost flipped him 360. The Desperado would flip him back and then just flying flat forward. And then last of the drag, Ragan, I believe it was, and Shingo with his third straight successful defence. And according to Kim Kelly, that puts him right up there with likes of uh, Shibata and Suzuki. I think even Kenta as well, like going up there in terms of like guys who have defended at least three times. Masato Tanaka, the first ever champion as well before. Things started like flip flopping. So, if he manages to get to four successful defenses, I think it'll be an even more rarefied there. Yeah, I reckon if he can make it to beyond the four, if he can get to at least five or six, he's going to end up in like one of your like top three or four openweight champions there's ever been. And it could be like a, a proper MVP year for Shingo. Mm-hmm. I definitely think it could. Uh, I actually wouldn't mind seeing him hold that all the way to the next Wrestle Kingdom because I think. Again, we see oh, who's going to be that guy to finally like, drop the foot flopping for a while and actually have this long reign for it. It looked like Kenta for a while. Ichi and Gogo had some decent length reigns, but I think Shingo, like, I think he definitely he's perfectly suited for that belt. Even if he loses it in his next defense, I think we'll see him like slide into the position that like Gogo and Ichi have found themselves in over the next year or so, and that he'll have a few more reigns with it. He'll kind of be the guy for that belt for a while. Yeah, I mean, when I think of that belt, I generally think of Goto, Suzuki, and Shingo. That's the three main ones I think of when I think of the open weight belt. Mm. Like Goto and Ishii, to me, have been come so synonymous with that belt, and it's weird. It's interesting how he beat Goto for it, and then 
immediately his first challenger was Ishii. So he beat the two guys most known for it, like two of the guys most known for it, and then he's now went for two more different opponents. So he's he's really helped diversify the challenges for that. And I really I'm, I'm interested to see who he has next. Uh, so anybody in particular you'd like to see him defend it against? I love the idea of him going for it with Suzuki. I think that could be a dream match. I definitely would enjoy that because at the moment Suzuki's got his issues with uh, Nagata stemming from uh, that first round kind of upset in some people's eyes when Nagata defeated Suzuki and they've just been going at it across tag matches. I wouldn't be surprised again if they got another special singles match between those two at some point during Summer Struggle. But yeah, those two, him and Shingo together would definitely be like I, I, use, I think I don't think Hard Titan would be even close to describing how how it would look. I definitely do want his next opponent to be someone in the heavyweight division because like he's, he's fought some of the juniors. I like to see him go back to uh, someone in the heavyweight division now. Yeah, and I think I, I think it's a good idea if you have Suzuki and Nagata in a singles match. Whoever wins that goes for the goes for the match with Shingo. Either way, it would be a great match to watch. Yeah, because I think people forget that Nagata had a very brief reign of as never which I mean, beat Sh- uh, Shibata for it back in 2016 or 2017, and then very soon dropped it back. So there are both former never which I mean, so it would make sense that the winner got a title shot. And I do like how hard and how like relentless both men are when they go for strikes against each other, Nagata and Suzuki. It's like they're both in their 50s, but like, You'd be a fool to try and tell either then that they're not the two dangerous guys and most dangerous guys in the room the way they go at each other. Oh yeah, they've got that kind of rivalry which almost seems like it's a shoot rather rather than a work. It's quite terrifying when they get down to it. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, so we go from the never that's everything that's happened with the never open weight championships and good stuff happening with that title. Now let's go to the tie team titles because Dangerous Tigers and the Golden Aces have been going at it almost the entire month. Like, yeah, the Zach losing a quota at the first round of the New Japan Cup, where even though Zach dominated most of the match, the two like spots that or the Ibushi got two clear openings and he made them count, especially with the Kamigoi at the end. Uh, Taichi got seemingly the upset one over Tanahashi and then defeated Ibushi with some uh, shenanigans. And even across like multiple man tag matches, they just keep going at each other. And the the common theme going into this match was every time they keep going against each other, uh, takers keep going after the legs of Tanahashi, and they always seem to try and get a jump on them before the match to give themselves that advantage. Yeah, usual Suzuki Gun tactics: go and get the jump start, and. Yeah, the, Tana, the, the story with Tanahashi's legs pretty much getting mangled beyond all belief. And to an extent, it was also like they were trying to push Ibushi's buttons to try and get him to be reckless. They were really riling him up. And it was absolutely it was an absolute stunning tag match. One of the best I've seen. Yeah, definitely. As I said, it went around 28 minutes. Uh, Golden Aces were on offense, according to pros and reason. Uh, 52% of the time, the offense was in, goal and was in uh, Dangerous Tigers' favor. 48% of the offense was uh, the Golden Aces. And they have something on Pro Wrestling Reasons where they talk about submissions, and then next it says, I think, seconds. So like how many seconds somebody had their point in a submission. Over 167 seconds uh, submission time that Tigers had on Golden Aces, they had zero. So 
dangerous figures again using the submission, especially from Saxe Virginia, like the leg will try to wear Tanahashi down. And Taker's had double the amount of double team moves on Aces, with they had 10 to go on Aces 5, so very much a dominant display from dangerous takers. Like, I did like that Golden Aces got the jump on them instead of the other way around at the start of the match. Like they'd learned their lesson. Like they're both like, veterans, especially Tanahashi. So they kind of learned from previous outings about how quickly the tide could turn in favour in favor of dangerous takers. Like, I think it was the Bushy. He had actually originally where he wanted him. And then one kick got caught by Zach and then just had him down the leg lock and immediately the tide has turned. Yeah, it was. It, it's crazy how quickly the, the the chemistry of these four. Tai Chi to me is kind of like the, the weakest one of the four, in regards to the fact that he is the freshest one to the heavyweight division, uh, and he's kind of still finding his way. But Saber's ability to submit anyone from anywhere at any time, the things that he can pull off, and especially when he's up against Ibushi, who is fast as it is, it, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kevin Kelly's uh, been really given out to Tai Chi the way he goes about things and like the tactics he uses on the English commentary and like he's even like he doesn't speak when uh, until Tai Chi's finished his song and here he sends out that's for all you Tai Chi fans that complain that I don't let you hear the song. <laughs> he's got a good bit of humour with that and it's it's funny because like with Kevin Kelly being a kind of like face commentator. He gets quite passionate whenever people start cheating, and it's, it makes it, it can add to his his commentary. It can really make it extra fun. Mm-hmm, definitely, I did like. I think it was on one of the. Uh, it was on the New Japan Roadshow. Yeah, Taichi and he ring singing. He was getting really up close, thanks to Karamaro, and Karamaro just looked at Taichi as it's like, "Get the hell out of my face." Yep, it's just get out, get in my face, get away from me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the genius takers were taking every advantage they, they could. It was weird because they were working over at Bushy and then the idea of like, he needs to tag out, but like the idea, do you want to tag into Tanahashi because he's got that weakness, that clear weakness that they will exploit if he gets tied in here. And they do their best, but Bushy gets taken out with uh, the iron glove, which basically is it two-on-one against Tanahashi, and then this really uncomfortable sequence where they just keep with the, where Taichi's just holding Tanahashi and they were keep doing the leg dragon screw leg whips and just working over and working over the legs. And it's like, so yeah, Rocky Romero and Kim Kale just like, I'll oh, just end already. Like, you've done enough damage. Like, the idea of like, how will you're, you're, you're getting close to almost ending this guy's career with the amount of damage you're doing. Then you also know, you got the Zack driver with the kick and that. And Dangerous Techers are your new IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. and the way Kevin Kelly and that were going on about it, it seems like they might be in for a long run. I mean, I love it. The fact that like the, the double team finisher with the Zach, it's the, uh, the, the properly coined that now it's the uh, the holy Zack Driver. Like the Zack Driver wasn't enough. Let's just add a kick square to the head while we're at it just to make sure you're staying down for the three. Mm-hmm. And it yeah, is, uh, it. it's not something you see Sabre pull out very often. It's, it is a very sort of like a protected move for him. So, Adding that a little bit extra to it, it was, it was, it was a hell of a match. I mean, it was a you had the open weight title set in a high bar, and this came and even went higher than it. Yeah, you had going back to that driver. It's kind of extension. Also, it's basically a version of the Michinoku drive, which I think is one of the more underrated moves in all of, in all of wrestling. 
And uh, so it goes back to him being kind of tight, having Taika Mitchell as his corner man. Obviously, the idea of it, I think, is this, it's another weapon in his arsenal because you've got all these submissions, but like, yeah, I can also pin you if I wanted to with the Zach driver, and now we've got Taichi with the kick. So now that they've got a really solid tag team move, and I don't see many like challenges other than maybe the Golden Ace is getting a rematch at some point because actually even at New Japan, Roji had uh, that Super Junior getting in their face like, you, got, you guys are never going to get these back, and he looked at Ibushi like, you can have a rematch, but you can't have him as your partner. No Tanahashi. <laughs> and that's it's one of the things I love about a lot of these, like when there's been no fans, like the fact that you can hear Sabres trash talking. It's absolutely hilarious the stuff he comes away with. I just I don't even think he actually plans it, he just says whatever comes to mind and it makes it brilliant. Yeah, I definitely think so as well, because they had the tag belts kinda of hanging over the ropes as they were taunting them, and Zax's nearly falls and his reaction looked like, Oh, that wasn't meant to happen, like he recovers, but you can see like clearly see him going, Oh, as if like that wasn't meant to happen. <laughs> Uh, it was absolutely brilliant and I mean if the Golden Aces go for another shot at them soon I'm not going to complain at a rematch until we can get a bit more established teams back uh, the likes of Finjus who are probably going to be pissed off that they're not getting their Golden Aces match to begin with mm-hmm. um, yeah. Gorillas of Destiny would be a good shout um, if the Good Brothers appear Gallows and Anderson could be an interesting one potentially uh, what do you think of because like, I don't see them having many defences across like, the Summer Struggle Tour uh, maybe one like at the end of the of the tour I did see your Kevin Kelly talk about uh, Tenzan and Kojima they uh, got a, a win on uh, the New Japan Roadshow and they talked about how they are like, one of the more decorated like tag teams when it comes to like, uh, New Japan an idea of what, what if they decided to get back in the tag team and what if they went up against uh, to get up against uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and Taiji. I wouldn't mind seeing that match, you know, kind of the idea of these, this veteran team that's had held the titles multiple times against this newer team and given Zack and Taiji's win over the uh, this veteran team. I mean, that's that's a good idea because it does, going against a veteran team like that and w- winning, it helps legitimise further and establish your title reign. So it would be a fun match to watch because... The old guys, they can bring it out when they need to for the big matches. So I wouldn't say no to it. Definitely. I mean, I'm a, a, a fan of Kojima, especially because I've been watching some old MLW stuff and Kojima was the first ever MLW champion. Now, if, uh, if you've got some free time, you should guys should check out on YouTube the MLW Anthology episode about Kojima. It features a match between him and Jerry Lynn. Uh, I think to crown the first MLW champion from a... Uh, I think the Hammerstein Ballroom, September 2002, it's definitely worth a watch. And that you can you can still pull it out. And it would definitely be a good placeholder like program for Taichi and Sabre Jr. Because, this, because eventually I think Golden Aces are going to get a rematch. But like, they've been going up against each other in tag matches almost every night. And I think they're on the opposite side for the majority of the Summer Struggle Tour. So you're getting very dangerous territory of running that program of those two teams against each other. Like in the ground and making people bored of seeing these two against each other, so you, you give them a palate cleanser of Kojima and Tenzan against dangerous stickers and then come back to Golden Ace. Yeah, it's a, it's a good plan because this is where the the roster being thin on the ground because of the travel restrictions. This is where it definitely shows itself. Singles they're okay, 
but there is that gap in the tag division which they were already kind of having before this all kicked off. Mm-hmm. So it's I think it's where New Japan needs to maybe establish things a bit more. They need to get some solid, reliable tag teams. It's a chance to get some teams together and get things going. Yeah, definitely 100%. Because we're talking about how strong like some of the contenders for the tag titles were looking. But like it really hinders it when you, you aren't able to utilise some of them because they're not in the country. But we'll move on to the match uh, that made Vented Dominion. We had already a high bar set with the first two matches, so it was all resting on the main event, the double title match with Evil taking on Tetsuya Naito, and already within 24 hours, a very different Evil when he came out to, to the one that actually came out against Okada. Yeah, new, new gear, new music, new attitude. I have to admit, new music is an absolute banger. Absolutely brilliant, and it really suits them. Yeah, I, I think it really it was a change in look and music was probably needed to cement this new version of Evil. And like Kevin Kelly was even saying, like, keeps theorizing how long the Gato have this plan in motion to have Evil come across to Bullet Club. Because like, he's like, you don't just join Bullet Club and within 24 hours suddenly have new gear, new music, just within 24 hours. So this was a last minute decision. This had to be a long term plan, and we don't know. We haven't really said anything about how long this is the motion. I don't know if because I heard people talking that Meltzer had said something about an evil push in twenty twenty. I don't think they did it quite as they originally planned to. Yeah, I think the pandemic completely changed any plans. Because I'm wondering, would Night have perhaps had a few more defenses and things like that before all of this came to fruition? It's, mm-hmm. I mean, the evil. Definitely lives up to his name a bit better now that he's went full out bastard heel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like we, you, you were talking about, like even though we were we actually wanted Evil to be Okada, we were certain that oh, Nigel basically needed to keep it on the belt for a while, rather because obviously he'd only had one successful defense so far, and that was against uh, Kenta. So, like, because like you wonder, like the original New Japan Cup is meant to be and. And then March, and the winner gets the title shot in April. And obviously, whoever thought was going to fight him at Domain originally, if they had that worked, it wouldn't be the same person that won the New Japan Cup. So there definitely had to be some definite switch around. I definitely think they were planning on another Okada Naito match, but I think they've uh, currently, I think they've put that on hold for the foreseeable future. Yeah, Okada's kind of backstage comments in the last couple of days in Summer Struggle, he's been quite erratic. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where he's because he's talking about doing something completely different that isn't a traditional match. So this this is this is where Okada gets exciting for me again because Okada without a title is Okada with nothing to lose. Uh, it's quite interesting where Okada's mindset is at the moment because I heard uh, an interview from him with uh, Tokyo Sports, I believe it was, where apparently Okada claimed that he does he personally doesn't feel like the heavyweight title. In Japan, it feels as important as it usually does because it's having to be defended alongside the Intercontinental title. Uh, I'm not sure what you think about that. I can kind of see his point, and even Naito himself has said a couple of things about he didn't get a chance to hold the belts the way that he wanted. So I think I think things are going to come to a head there eventually. I mean the. Evil and Nightle match was, I would actually say it, 
it wasn't the best match on the card. It was still enjoyable and it had a hell of a twist, but it wasn't the strongest match for Evil's kind of coming out party. I think we have talked about the uh, the issues with people holding two titles. Like we've seen XT get around that by just by having Keithley just vacate one of his titles. But I don't think that's the way New Japan are going to have it done when they eventually separate both belts. And I think also people within New Japan are thinking like, oh yeah, but you can't have this happen go on forever. So like eventually the New Japan the IWGB heavyweight title has to be the most important thing. So. Like, I think eventually that they need to scrap this whole double champion thing. But the match itself, yeah, I agree with you. The actual ratio was very similar to the Okada match. Again, Evil getting 41% of the offense to Naito getting uh, 59%. Uh, which is interesting is in both matches, it comes out how many finishes were hit. Neither Okada, Okada had, like, I think, a short arm version of the Rainmaker, but he didn't hit like, a full on version. And Naito didn't really get a chance to hit the Destino, whereas Evil got to hit everything as Evil in his matches. So Okada and Naito don't look weak in their matches against Evil because he hit his finisher, but they didn't get a chance to hit their finisher. Even though Okada got a chance to lock in, like, I think that submission that he's now calling the money clip, the uh, Cobra uh, version of the Cobra clip, kind of set out position. Yeah, I mean, that's it, it, it was definitely like Naito didn't hit his main offense, and a lot of it came down to the well, the big the big game changer for Evil, his new pareja, Dick Togo. A man yeah, that many people probably forgot even existed at one point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that took me by surprise. I think before I'd even seen that Evil had won, I'd seen images of him and Dick Togo standing next to each other. And I didn't even, like, I didn't know who he was. I looked at, seen him, like, I looked at, like, who the hell is that next to Evil and I hear Dick Togo? I'm like, what, Dick, what is in Kai Dick Togo? As in guy who tried to cut Valiance's dick off, Dick Togo. Like, I didn't realise he was still in wrestling. Like, I'm pretty sure he'd retired. And then, like, look at him, like, Jesus, like, he definitely would be like, one of the last people you'd ever expect to show up at New Japan, like, at Dominion Weekend. And, like, the way they went about it with him coming out in a in a bushy mask, making you think that there'd been another defection. He came up with that, like, cable thing around the neck of Naito. And, like, and then eventually, of how long it took uh, Rocky and Kim Kelly realised that that might not actually be a bushy when I think size-wise uh, even though he's retired I think there's a bit more muscle around uh, Dick Togo than there is bushy oh, yeah, I looked I was like Bushy's really put on the beef what the heck is <laughs> happened here <laughs> it's like this is it's like oh wait that that is not that, that can't be bushy oh yeah it's definitely not bushy <laughs> I know like bushy was, already, was only out earlier on in the night for a tag match so, like, either he's been hitting the weights a lot in the last hour or so since he's last been out, or that's not Dick Togo, or, or that's not uh, Bushy. Because it was just weird to see Dick Togo show up and now officially uh, a member of Bullet Club. Uh, he's official nicknamed The Spoiler. I think it's very appropriate. I mean, when that happened, and then Evil hitting everything is Evil for the three count, it, I, I, I don't know. Well, if you, you, would, you would have been avoiding social media. Twitter, pretty much, we all had a meltdown. We all didn't know what to do or how to react. We were like, no, no, this isn't how it was meant to be. What's going on here? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it was unexpected. It was one thing to have evil when the Japan Cup. I mean, that was when people thought we were still getting LIG, VLG before we realised that they were going to have them defect the Bullet Club. And then it was another thing to actually see evil 
hold the two belts. And I think, again, the idea of the trip on his shoulder, the, everybody was spying to Romo and his comeback. Sanada, everybody wanted him. He finally get his opportunity. Shingo has basically been, since he's made his debut, he's been positioned very highly, both in the junior and heavyweight divisions. So basically, Evil Film kind of left out. And he's finally like turned on Naito because uh, they, they mentioned on commentary, Kevin Kelly said that the difference between LIG and other factions is before this, they'd never had like a defection. Because like only other factions, there weren't like twenty odd members or however member how many there were. They like they'd have like they had five and then six. They had this basically core group of people surrounding, so they didn't have anybody just defect from another faction to join them or have somebody defect from them to go somewhere else. So this has been the first major portrayal in LIG, like because they seem like the strongest core faction, and now one of their key members has turned on them, which makes also, which the impact of it. And it also firmly asserts Gedo really does not like Naito at Dominion because Naito's Dominion record is awful. Always loses at Dominion, just always does not go his way. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't seem like it now because. Um, well, did he not win the uh, the junior the IC belt back from uh, from Ibushi at last year's Dominion? Because he lost it to him at a G One Supercard. Did he not win it back at Dominion? I think you might be right there. That may be the one where it did actually work in his favour. But outside of that, it's like Naito. You should really just start staying at home. Because <laughs> like I know he's, he's lost to Okada at Dominion. He lost to Chris Jericho, Tanahashi. I think, yeah, that 2019 was the one year because he had to win it back to then layer drop it to Jay White to then lead up to the double gold dash. And I think uh, Naito got lulled into a false insecurity in, in terms of his, uh, his success at Dominion to then now fall back into another loss. And uh, Kevin Kelly talked about his first event calling New Japan English commentary was King of Pro Wrestling 2015, which is when Evo first joined uh, Naito's side. And so he was the emotion when he was talking about how disgusted he was with Evil, the way he defected and joined the Hulk Club. And one thing I didn't like about this match is like, yeah, it went on for quite a while, 37 minutes, maybe not as strong as you maybe would have hoped. But the uh, the way that he was going after Naito's knee that was kind of taped up was kind of weird for me because like we just had a match that was sitting around somebody's legs being targeted and they were basically the exact same thing here. So it did lead to that very nasty looking spot where Naito went basically knee first through the to that wooden table. Oh god, that was that was horrific looking. And I mean that's like, like Naito to me was always the champion with no knees. So when I saw that I was just like, please, please don't don't do that. Yeah, don't um, literally take his knees away. I mean the aftermath in the match as well has one of the most memorable things. In fact I've even used the picture as my wallpaper on my phone now, which is Hiromu screaming at evil. Like Hiromu just losing the plot. And I was like, well, this represents everyone's 2020 right now. Very much, like I said, it's like the year of evil in, in more ways than one is 2020. Because, yeah, so when we come out afterwards, he basically challenges evil to a match for the double gold. And evil doesn't really acknowledge him. He just doesn't like answer him. He just walks away. And then it gets made official for Sengoku Lord. And uh, the main event of New Japan Road was... Uh, Dick Togo, Ishimori, and Evil against uh, I think Bushi. Was it Bushi or Sanada that teamed with Hiromu and Naito? Uh, B- Bushi, Naito, and 
Hiromu yeah. were against the three of them. Because it seems to be like, uh, more than not, that uh, Hiromu and Naito have made a pretty good six-man tag. It's either a re- revolving door of either Bushi or Sanada recently that teams with them, so it's hard to keep track. But yeah, at first Hiromu like, took out of his jacket, he had a Bullet Club shirt on, then he just used that to get to to get to Evil, and he was even choking Evil with the Bullet Club shirt. But uh, unfortunately, heels came out, came out on top on that occasion. And then we, that led to Zinkogo at the main event being Hiromu uh, finally getting his opportunity that a lot of us had waited, wanted them to get, even back at uh, the anniversary we wanted that to be for the gold against Evil. But before we talk about Evil, uh, Okada, they had to keep him somewhere in the spotlight so obviously with Hiromu, with Yujiro attacking him during the uh, New Japan Cup final, that led to a zinc, to Zengoku at a special singles match between Yujiro and uh, between Yujiro and Okada. Because they talked about how like Yujiro was a part of chaos, and then way back in 2014 he turned and went to Bullet Club, cost Okada the title to AJ Styles, and then all these years later once again he screwed Okada in a big match. So they tried to make a story around this to make it seem big, but I think me and you, Grant, would be messaging about this. Neither of us were particularly excited for Yujiro versus Okada. Yeah, it, it really wasn't a match that invested me in, but before I go, go into that, I'm just going to quickly mention as well, that when you mentioned about the Bullet Club shirt on Hiromu, i done the most evil thing, and I sent that to people that hadn't seen it yet with no context <laughs> to the picture. Oh, what the actual, thing you do. <laughs> the actual scenes, like one of my friends just messaged me back going, you better be fucking joking me with that. <laughs> I mean, like that that one picture drew more of a reaction than what the entire like Yujiro and Nokada match got out of me. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's no offense to you, Yujiro. You know, he's just because of his position in Bullet Club and how little he, success he's had singles wise. I find it hard to invest and believe that he has a chance against what is essentially New Japan's golden boy in a one-on-one match. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, uh, you, you don't just go for Okada. You you work your way towards that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like, that moment with uh, Yujiro, I, I imagine the people you send that to probably a similar reaction to Kevin Kelly. They're like, oh, can we, I can't, we can't take any more of this heartbreak. Fucking 2020, he was, he was going off his nut. <laughs> About it, like we can't take any more of this heartbreak. Like, is coming on? Is nothing sacred? There's <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, more more emotion from Kevin Kelly in that than probably most people who watched Yujiro and Okada, like you said. Like, because yeah, it, seems, it just seems like as I said to you, like rinse repeat of what happened with Taichi, and that Okada has a big match, he loses, takes fights a low level member of a of a heel faction, gets his win back, and then slowly but surely moves his way back towards another eventual shot in the main event and it basically was the exact same here like it would have been a lot better if at any point you could believe that Yujiro had a chance but uh, he knew he didn't Okada won again with the uh, that submission the one good thing about this is it was get, it was getting relatively short but then again I think it was just that just shows how little of a chance that Yujiro had that Okada didn't really need that long of a match to get the win. Yeah, it's, it was like 13 and a half minutes and uh, th- I've just had a complete brainstorm of an idea there for a match which could actually be really good on paper as long as the right person keeps their belt and have Okada go for the open weight belt. That would be interesting. 
it would be left field. Um, it would be a, a way to help legitimise the open weight belt even more by having Shingo go over one of their biggest guys. And it could be done the way that Okada doesn't look weak either. I'm wondering how you do that. How you make Okada like a serious challenger without making it seem like a demotion for him. Because when you look at it, the really only title that Okada has ever actually held in his career is the heavyweight belt, is the IWGP title. Because like, when you, you saw it going into double gold dash, you didn't really seem that interested in being intercontinental champion. Uh, and so like the never belt is, also, is like, before it's been, it seemed lower down the pegging order than the IC belt, but also Shingles brought it up. So it, it'll be interesting to see how they make Okada seem like he actually wants to be never champion. And that could be a fun story in itself, that if Okada's away from the main event for long enough, you could have... Shingo going through a couple more defences and Okada going, hang on this is this is getting interesting here, uh, he's taking down everyone but he's not taking down me Could be or oh, something I think could be interesting is uh, if, they, if they just basically say like they decide yeah, if issue you can have a hell shot against us but you can't have you can have anybody but Tanahashi as your partner I'd like to see like, even if it's just for one night Okada and Ibushi against dangerous tigers because I said Okada can say like oh you guys think you're so tough like I've beaten look at that division I beat you to retain my title and this, this same year back at uh, New Beginning I beat you so like I'll be Ibushi's partner Aye that's definitely it's, 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 it's ways to keep Okada out the main picture um, mm-hmm. putting him in the tag match gives a protection that he doesn't technically need to be the one to take the loss for his team Mm-hmm because you have, uh, I'm glad that like sometimes they have Okada in positions where probably higher than he needs to be, purely because he's Okada. Like I said before, his match with Gado probably shouldn't have been evented that night of the uh, New Japan Cup, but it did. I think it was on the same night as Nagata Suzuki that should have been evented, and like his match with Daichi didn't feel much like a main event to me. So I'm glad his match with Yujiro uh, was like third from bottom, third, third from the top. So you had Shingo going above that and then the main event. So it was it was, it was at least in a position that it probably deserved to be with the build that it had. Yeah, and I mean, that's probably all I can really say about that match because there isn't really many highlights that I can think of from it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you got to love, love you, Joey. He did his best, but like he was, it was always a losing battle for him against Okada. Yeah, he, he had to be fed to the golden boy. Uh, that actually brings Okada's one loss record in singles matches up to seven and two in terms of uh, 20 records. So going into the match with Evil, he was six and one, lost to Evil, but got the win over Yujiro, so that's now seven and two. Still an impressive record for Okada. But Evil, with a, obviously, everybody knows the result probably by now. Evil is now up to seven wins and one loss. And I'll come back to that one loss later on. Um, and now with another success, with a successful retention of the double gold against Hiromu. And something that people seem to forget is that technically Evil is a, a triple champion, as he is a one, one third of the, the six-man champions. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with those six-man belts, because they keep mentioning on commentary, but it's unlikely that they'll have Evil from Bullet Club to have to team up with Sanada and Bushi to defend those belts after everything that's happened. Yeah, I, I'm still trying to figure out how they're going to get around that six-man booking and the only thing I can think is that they would make it that whoever's going to go against the, the champs, Evil's just going to sit out and be like, 
you two can do it yourselves. I'm taking nothing to do with this. Because I think, like, cause as a, as a, I think because you have, we had uh, Yano and Maccabee and Taguchi as the champs. Like, they left, they had big periods between title defences, but they let it just up until, like, the minimum period they had to defend it, and then they, they'd have a title match. I think they'll basically just wait for that time to go, and eventually when they get past that period, they're like, okay, vacate the belts, but have new champions, or they could have Sanada step in an evil's position against like three random members of Bullet Club, and basically just decide who is ultimately who ultimately gets the belts. Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways they can go about it. It's to me they need to make a clear way to show it, you know, because does evil essentially relinquish his part of the belt? Like, could they do almost like a Freebird rule where it's like, well, he's no longer in the group, so mm. his te- his belt's technically going to whether it's Sanada or Naito. Could be another shout. Maybe, because he, he... I don't think Evil would be too bothered about it, about losing his third of the, uh, the six-man belts, because you just find out even when he comes out, they don't even bill him as, as a triple champion, they just bill him as the Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion. Yeah, and he's, he's made it clear that he is he is wanting to hold on to them for as long as he can. Hmm. So, but uh, I actually thought Hiromo had a better showing than Naito did against Evil. He was coming out right out. He was coming right out out of the gate. The drop kick off the uh, the apron. He had Dick Togo getting involved, which always seemed to be the way to open the door for Evil to get. He's come back like he had that, but we had we puts the chair over the head and then just swings. And he had the bit where he exposed the turnbuckle, which kept coming. The exposed turnbuckle kept coming back at different points of the match uh, to help both guys at various points, obviously. Dick Togo being called a spoiler, he kept getting involved. And I think the best thing you can look at this past month of New Japan, whether or not you agree with Evil being the champion, the best thing to come out of New Japan in the month of July, at least, is Hiromu looks like an even bigger star than he was before. Hiromu is looking like New Japan's the guy of 2020 at this rate. He has had an astronomical year and everything that Evil had Hiromu had an answer. He, mm-hmm. he, hit, he hit him with absolute everything, and it was it was beautiful. I mean, this to me the only the only worry that I've got about it afterwards is that I came out of it going, Hiromu is the one that had the major part here, whereas I would I really Evil's the one that needs the career making performance to show that he can be the guy at the top. Mm-hmm. I think well this interference. Uh, Evil's matches are definitely following the uh, the Bullet Club style of match that we've come to expect that some fans aren't uh, fond of because like the, he keeps getting the low blow that seems to be like he's almost set up now to eventually hit everything is evil and maybe they're because they're having Evil like follow the Bullet Club style is why some people aren't as convinced but I think it was a better match for Evil than the Naito match was and just like you had this face on everything and that the heel manages to just to nefarious means sneak away with the win and makes you hate him even more. So like it's a classic trope that I think is what Evil needs if you want him to be the top heel at the moment. One of the my favourite spots of this match was uh, Roma managed to get Evil up for a powerball on the outside and just throws him into Dick Togo. That was outstanding. Just He absolutely launched him. I, I was like, wow, that is some power from Hiroma. To get him up and do. I think one of my favourite bits 
story-wise in the whole match was as brutal as it was to watch. Like the seven or eight back-to-back release German suplexes, just absolutely aiming for Hiromu's neck, really selling that. And I was just like, oh my god, he's picking him to pieces. This is uncomfortable. I think it's the thing with Evil when going against Naito and Hiromu, especially that as a stable mate, he will know their strengths and weaknesses probably better than most. And especially, obviously, everybody knows about the neck issues that Hiromu's went through. So it's obvious that Evil would target that as an easy way to put Hiromu away. But Hiromu keeps coming back. And there are a few people in New Japan that can sell just looking dead in the ring in terms of selling. Then Hiromu can just how. You just look like dead weight for the majority of the match before eventually making that comeback. The uh, had the Death Valley driver into the turnbuckle and then into the exposed one as well. He hit the time bomb. Like I said, he threw everything he had at him. And one key moment that really made Toromo look good was he hit time bomb to one, two, and if Toromo hadn't pulled the ref out, it looked like Toromo might actually have done it. Yeah, I think that would have been, if it wasn't for Dick Togo, that would have been Toromo winning the top belts in the heavyweight as well and being like the ultimate triple champion that they could have. I was properly popping for that. I was shouting at the telly. I was like, oh my God, Dick Togo! (laughs) Damn you, Togo! (laughs) It was was absolutely incredible and even like the aftermath, the, uh, the selling for what we can see is probably going to be our like two of our main matches at the end of summer struggle already. Mm. I'm excited. Hey, something I wanted to mention quickly. A spot from the uh, Dominion match, I forgot I mentioned, is uh, Milano, one of the commentators, always has the Evil merch. Uh, during the, They always cut to him during Evil's entrance. And Evil just grabbed, like, the kind of... Evil kind of grabbed the merch thing that he had at his desk and just kind of ripped it up. And Milano just claimed the barricade to get to Evil, and Evil just knocked him out. I think this is just the final thing to cement Evil as a heel, to, as a heel like even those who still kind of support him, like he doesn't care about them anymore. Oh yeah, like 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 Milano was pretty much in tears when Evil mm-hmm. betrayed him, and so he's like, it's like no, no, maybe he's still inside, maybe he's still inside. And I'm just gonna snipe, I'm gonna snipe the t- snap the toy side and that. How dare you, you <laughs> son of a bitch! <laughs> Because that's not a thing you'd expect again in New Japan. Like one of the Japanese commentators to get up and try and attack one of the wrestlers. Like occasionally they have wrestlers on like guest commentary, and then you'd expect their guy in the ring to kind of square off with them. Because like Ishimori once did it when Liger was on commentary, and that's when Ishimori kind of challenged Liger to a match. But you wouldn't expect one of the actual commentators to get physically involved in a match. And that's what I love. I think, like, if for some people they, they didn't realise because, like, Milano is is a wrestler. That's um, where, like, that's why, like, Sonada looks at him whenever he does the Paradise Lock. He just mm-hmm. doesn't really wrestle as much with his age. But it's like, oh yeah, forget this guy can take a bump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they do mention that he was a wrestler, but then he said uh, that he hasn't wrestled. Came to monitors. He was like, oh, he's not wrestled in years, though. Like, he should this shouldn't be happening. And then we also had the match with Soromo and. Everybody's hopes are behind Hiromu, but he just falls short. And then basically, literally kicking him while he's down, Daiji Shimori comes in the ring and basically says, well, by the way, I'm coming for your... You've still got the junior belt, and I'm coming for it. Which I think, at the moment, is the best matchup you can have for Hiromu, because uh, 
I think Taiji's one of the better junior competitors that you've got lined up as a believable challenger at the moment. Yeah, I mean, Ishimori coming out, um, hitting them with a bloody cross, in which the selling of that bloody cross, the way, like, Hiromu just pretty much stood up and then went straight to the deck was absolutely stunning. But yeah, like, just kind of, it's like, I'm going to pick the bones. So you had that, and then followed up by Naito running out and just getting straight in the evil's face. And he's been quoted as saying, right, the rental period for the belt's over. I'm coming back for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the disappointment for some people is obviously how long you were waiting for Naito to get this opportunity and for it to end as soon as it did. Like, maybe it was always meant to like end at Dominion, but they were obviously hoping for one or two more defences in the meantime. But they didn't get that. Or... I think, do you think it's more likely they like that we've been away for so long, we need to have a moment to get the fans talking and maybe having evilish shock title change was the way to do it? I, th- I think that might be part of it, is like going for the shock factor. Um, my worry is that potentially it looks like they've... like and There's a risk of hot potato in the main belts mm-hmm. over the next couple of months, but... At least, you know, they're not just, like, dropping the story. Like, this Naito and Evil story looks like it's going to continue for at least another month or two, which I'm glad it's not a case of they're just going to drop it. You know, Naito's not just sitting back and be like, ah, it's okay. He's like, no, I wanted these belts for a reason, and I've still not had a chance to show you why. Damn right, I want this. It is surprising to me that they would go back to already start teasing Naito Evil a rematch, like, so soon. But like you said, like, with because of everything that Naito went through, you can see him like not wanting to wait around for another title shot. And somebody I feel bad for right now is Sonada because like Bushi's not really done much, even though he had his name kind of tarnished by Dicto kind of impersonating him and all that. But like yeah, Sonada was a mixed, as we said earlier, a mixed effort through the uh, the New Japan Cup. Gets betrayed almost by Evil both in that match the way he won it, and then by Evil defecting, and then Hiromu is the one to step up and challenge Evil for a title shot. Jingles had a, been defending the Never title, and Knight was obviously in a prime position, and Sonata basically just felt like an afterthought. Yeah, it's, it, like, it feels like, for once, Sonata's the one kind of, despite being one of the more popular members, members of the team, he's kind of lost a little bit in, in where he goes. Um at least it was explained, Shingo said on commentary in Japan as to why no one sh- showed up apart from Naito to help Hiromu. And that was, Hiromu said, no matter what happens, nobody come out here. This is my fight. Because, mm. like, Evil came out with Bullet Club at uh, Dominion originally, and then they got sent to the bag, and then Togo came out later on, and then Naito didn't have anyone at his back, and Hiromu was the only one who came out to help him. And it makes sense that Hiromu would want to do it by himself and I'm happy that Hiromu got that opportunity but like, and I know you don't want to overdo the idea of evil versus his old stable mates but like I think if fans if Hiromu wasn't as popular as it was maybe they would have had Sanada be the one to come out and challenge him for Sengoku Lord because I think there would be more emotion behind that because former tie partners but like I know this is fantasy booking here but what else can you do on a wrestling podcast like <laughs> Everybody's an expert. Cause I feel like if Evil, I don't see Evil holding the belt and uh, Wrestle Kingdom, I don't think he'll go into Wrestle Kingdom as a champion. And if he doesn't, I'd like to see him in Sanada's special singles match at Wrestle Kingdom. 
yeah, I mean, it's definitely there's there's some potential there, but it's after all the brave predictions I've made and how quickly Gado has shot everything left, right, and centre recently, I'm like, I'm not going to make any bold predictions here. <laughs> yeah, because hey, I just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, Gado seems to have it out for you, doesn't he? <laughs> yep, it's just just put a put a bit of belt in Snadigado. That's all one. Put a belt on my boy. That's it. Uh, I mentioned that one loss for Ishii, uh, for uh, Evil, and that was back to Tomio Ishii uh, at New Beginning in Sapporo. I'm thinking at some point, maybe if Naito is unsuccessful in getting the belt back, uh, maybe Ishii has a reason to get work his way in for a title shot. Like, hey, you've got one loss this year, and it was to me. I think the big story about that going that match was that Evil had seemingly in singles competition been unable to beat Ishii. And like, you seem to you think seem to think you're unbeatable, but I can beat you, and you've never beaten me. And so, evil if evil retains the titles, then he can then he gets to finally say like, I have beaten you. Look at me, I'm the top guy now. But if she can somehow finally win, then he's got that moment that some fans really want him to have. And then you can carry that story of evil being frustrated, like why can't I beat she? I mean, that is an absolutely fantastic idea. And it I is quite that. often the Japan way of doing things is that if someone has beat the champ even before they were champ, they quite, quite often have a an angle to get in. I definitely like because I think we assumed that maybe it would come in like the New Japan Cup or the uh, the G One, but uh, again they didn't meet in the New Japan Cup this year, and we don't even know if they're going to get the G One. So it's something to think about if they because we don't know what's going to happen with the Naito. You uh, think because they seem to be rushing right back into that. Because uh, like it's not as if like oh they're waiting for Nigel to win the belts back in front of a crowd. Cause, like they had a crowd there when Evil won. So again, I think it's again the Evil change probably done to get people talking. Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, there's there's a lot of talking points, and it has got people talking a lot, and it's got it, it's definitely an interesting selection of choices they've made lately. And I'm looking forward to see how that pans out for the Summer Struggles tour. Yeah, because looking ahead, the Summer Struggle Tour at Tamer Corner is already a couple of days in. And a lot of it is, a lot of the matches, when you look at the different days, they're very much similar and like different variations of tally matches we've kind of seen already. But I think they've got this big like, stadium show at the end of, the, of August. I think these two title matches between Evil and Naito and uh, Romo and Ishimori will probably be saved for that big stadium show. If not, then... Fair enough. I'd like to see because I think these are these being held in like smaller arenas, like leading up to the stadium show. So if you didn't save them until then, I'd like to, I think if you're running a small show, you can headline one of the shows with Romo versus Ishimori. Yeah, I mean, definitely, there's a lot of potential there. There is like the, the summer struggle tour going through August. There's something like about 13, 14 shows on it. Places like Kurok and Hall and that. So it's there's a lot of chances to build things up and even fit in a couple of the lower titles into special matches during the tour. Mm-hmm. That's why I've said about uh, Nagata versus Suzuki and Master Watto versus Gamaru in special singles matches that you can fit those on smaller shows there, like pay off, like, obviously guys who have issues with each other, but have a special match and give it a showcase on one of the smaller shows if you're not going to def- have the main titles being defended. Uh because looking ahead to August, we've had so much talk about from like July. Looking ahead to August, with the exception of that big match 
big show at the end of August. I don't know if we'll have a lot to talk about August-wise. I'm just hopeful that at some point as we get some announcements that we can talk about for like the, the end of the year in New Japan. Yeah, I mean, that's it. But they seem to be playing, playing it safe with their announcements. They're not making anything big too soon. At the moment, I'm on the New Japan World website and there's only shows on the actual, like, on demand. They're only showing up until, like, the 9th of August. But I know they've got shows scheduled beyond that. So I reckon within the next week or so, we'll probably get announcements as to what's coming up next. Uh, hopefully, because, uh, like, we've got beat back in the sway things. We want to know what the hell's going on. Yeah, I just want to know, uh, please please give us the G1. It was going to be happening in October this year, so please find a way to make it work in New Japan because it's still my favourite tournament of the whole year. Because like, it's one thing, like this, the way they planned out the New Japan Cup, but like, how this, the G1 will look, because maybe you're very much the best of the best in New Japan and across the, the A and B block, and how they'll make, what compromises will they have to make to make up for the fact that some other guys can't be in the tournament we are interested to see how they lead that out and i also really like to see if they manage to get some sort of junior tournament at some point this year maybe not the Super Juniors but maybe the Super J Cup because I, like, I really like to see Master Wattle mix that with some more of the juniors Yeah, there's there's options there I mean, whether they have to do like a stripped down G1 or something like that yeah, it's, we, can, we, can only, we can only hope at this point Maybe, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing some junior like Hiromu in the G1 get some more junior versus heavyweight matches. As I said, the examples we've seen so far have always just feel like the matches always just seem to deliver. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against seeing more of them. So like we've been here for almost an hour and a half. I don't think I can talk anymore about Japan as much as I love. I've loved the last month or so. There's been so much taller moments. I'm kind of done in. I want to just relax before. Checking out what summer struggles got to offer. Yeah, that's my plan. Get get cracking on with that, and uh, probably expand into DDT again. <laughs> uh, good, uh, but you can follow along with East Meets West as we see what's going on in Japan here on the Super HBG Extra feed on all good Android podcasts sites like Anchor, Spotify, and iTunes. Go back in our back catalog, see the previous episodes of East Meets West, as long as the shows like Saturday Draft Live. Wednesday Night Wars. Anyway, back to the wrestling and of course the Raw Report. And also on the same Android podcast and states that you can find this feed, you can find uh, you can find the Super Retreat main feed which had the uh, wrestling, our wrestling hero show that I mentioned earlier that Grant brought up uh, Hiroma Takahashi and our next show is going to be all about the MVPs of the Ruthless Aggression era. Should be a very interesting show. And remember, keep up with us on social media, that's Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Suplex Retweet. And at the moment lads, everything is evil but hopefully things should look up going forward as we go through the Summer Struggles Tour. Until next time, I would just say goodbye.